Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. That is where you can find all the content that we produce about the Nuggets over at milehighsports.com. Just type that into your browser and click that Nuggets icon in the top right corner. Um, we are going to get into what happened in this very, very weird game two of the second round of the playoffs between the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers that ended in the Portland Trailblazers getting an a upset win in Denver, 97-90. to 90. Um, This was just a game that I felt was coming for some reason. It was a extremely sloppy game, but it wasn't a whole lot of turnovers. It was missed shots and weird decision-making and players that are usually very consistent in this type of an atmosphere struggling all across the board. There were fights in the crowd, almost fights on the court. It was all over the place. Um, we'll talk about how the Nuggets just couldn't make any shots whatsoever and also the fact that Portland really couldn't either, but did just enough offensively to get over the hump. Uh, nobody's stars really showed up. There were a couple injuries that took place. Mo Harkless is questionable. Uh, Ennis Cantor has been battling his separated shoulder. Jamal Murray has taken so many knees to the same thigh repeatedly that he keeps falling over when he gets hit by screens because there's so much pain there that it's hobbling him. Torrey Craig may or may not have broken his nose. It sounded like he did not break his nose despite TNT's reporting during the game. So just what was a very ridiculous and insane game that transpired in Denver for game two of the playoffs. Um, Then I want to talk about specifically some coaching stuff and the fact that there's a multiple Nuggets coaches who have been um, who the Nuggets have been requested to interview by other teams, uh, specifically Jordy Fernandez and, and Wes Unsell Jr., In addition to that, a lot of the Nuggets front office has been mentioned in different people's uh, conversations about general manager and president positions, including Tim Connolly, Calvin Booth, and going back to last year, Arturis Karnasovas. And I want to kind of just talk about why this is important, why the Nuggets are almost always going to grant the permission if the coach or front office member wants to interview, why that's a good thing for Denver, just kind of the ins and outs of that process. Um, Before I do that, though, definitely got to pay some bills and get give some love once again to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who reached out to me completely on their own just to help out with this podcast and kind of come to an agreement to be able to put beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. Uh, Rod Simba in particular, that is at R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A on Instagram and then at Regulators Regime on Instagram. Those guys are great and this podcast would be much more amateur without them and of course, Terrapin Care Station who is the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Without them, there isn't a podcast. And I've told you guys this a few times, but I will say it one more time. So here is a quick word from Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the product that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.
dive into what was just a weird game all the way around. I mean, Nikola Jokic even said this in his post-game press conference at the podium. It was just a weird game. And, I mean, there were two fights in the crowd. There was a couple guys who got into a fight, a couple girls who got into a fight. Everyone was ejected. There was a fan who was just saying some awful things to Ennis Kanter uh, courtside. There was also a fan who was throwing things onto the court. There was another situation in which Ennis Kanter and Gary Harris got into it, which led to Jamal Murray getting into it with Kanter because Nikola Jokic pushed Kanter and he fell into Tory Craig like there was just so many weird things that happened and then it kind of just crescendoed with Tory Craig getting kicked in the face by Monte Morris's leg as he fell into his leg and potentially broke his nose um it has not come out if he did or did not break his nose. He did return to the game. I have been told that Tory Craig will play Game 3, which I'll get into a little bit later, but it was just such a bizarre game from top to bottom. And I think that was my biggest takeaway, is that this was one of those where you look at it and you're like, none of this was really sustainable. I mean, you can't have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum combined to take 37 shots and only score a combined 34 points. That is not going to work, but... But yet, the Blazers won somehow. In addition to that, I mean, they did not really get a whole lot of great bench play except for the fact that Rodney Hood and Zach Collins, which Zach Collins has not been very good recently, just kind of showed up in a gigantic way. Um, Nobody scored over 20 points in this game. No individual player on either team. And the Nuggets somehow, despite only having 20 second chance points, had 23 offensive rebounds. There was just so many bizarre pieces to this game. And then to cap all of that off, there were all of a sudden all of these injuries that started popping up. Mo Harkless rolled his ankle, did not return in the second half. Uh, he was the one defending Murray, and he did a great job of slowing him down using his length. Beyond him, you had, um, so after Harkless went out, it was Jake. Layman that ended up starting at small forward and defending Jamal Murray in the second half. Um, Ennis Cantor, I'm sure, is probably going to play game three, but he's been fighting what is apparently been told to be a separated shoulder, and I'm sure he did separate his shoulder, but I'd be very surprised. It, it just seems a little bit embellished at this point. I'll put it that way. I'm not saying he's not hurting. I'm not saying he wasn't injured, but I'm saying that there might be a little bit more talk about his injury than actually needs to happen. It may not be as bad as we're making it out to be. In addition to that, Jamal Murray took another screen and crumpled to a heap trying to get around one because he took a knee to the thigh once again. That's the same thigh that he hurt when Jakob Pertl had that illegal moving screen on him that also uh, led to him falling into a heap after getting hit by the screen. So there has been no update on Jamal Murray. Mo Harkless is questionable. I'm sure Ennis Kanter is going to play. There has been no, no update yet for Jamal Murray's availability, but I'm sure he'll play. Uh, Tory Craig, like I was saying before, is going to play. I have been told he will play. Even with him playing, though, he'll be having to play with that mask on. There hasn't been word on if he'll start. I assume he will start as well, regardless. Um, will Barton was better in this game. Didn't shoot very well, but then again, the entire team didn't shoot very well, but he had 11 rebounds in this game and really battled defensively, so if Torrey Craig is struggling in any capacity, the Nuggets will not, Michael Malone, will not hesitate to go to Malik Beasley, who was a very good, energetic guy off the bench that finally got some shots to fall, or Will Barton off the bench to be able to play 
in his spot to help out at that point. Um, another thing that the that the Portland Trailblazers did in this game was they started doubling Nikola Jokic a lot more, which led to him kicking out quite a few shots to open jump shooters who just continually missed over and over and over again. I have already put an article up on Mile High Sports about how the Nuggets just missing these shots repeatedly is getting to be... It frustrated them, but at the same time, like, it's kind of just an act of God. Like, they were taking good shots. They were doing what they needed to do. They weren't really rushing them. The shots just didn't fall in this game, which made it very eerily reminiscent to Game 1 against the Spurs, where the Nuggets just couldn't get anything to fall, except it was even worse in this game. Um, in Game 2 against the Portland Trailblazers, this most recent game, the Nuggets, if I remember correctly from Andy Bailey's tweet of Bleacher Report, this was the worst true shooting percentage the Nuggets have put up since 2000. 2016 November of 2016 like that is insane like they played as outlier bad as you could think of they shot 8 of 24 on second chance point opportunities when they got an offensive rebound and then took a shot after getting an offensive rebound 8 of 24 that means they had 23 individual offensive rebounds, one team offensive rebound, and they only made eight shots after getting those extra possessions. Like, they were a disaster, and because they were doubling Jokic, he wasn't able to be as effective. I do think he was tired as well. I mean, the guy played 86 minutes and two games and then came out here and played tri- and played 37 minutes and just looked gassed in this game. Uh, he was 7 of 17 from the floor, only took one three in this one, which is a... It was that's an anomaly for Jokic after what he did in the past few games, where he was starting to get hot from distance. Um, so that doubling did work. It was an effective defensive strategy for Portland, but we'll I, we'll see if those shots don't fall again. Like yes, it worked for one game. That does not make the that, that it does not make Portland doubling Nikola Jokic a sustainable way of going about defending this Nuggets team. So I do not expect this to keep happening. I do think the Nuggets are going to hit more shots going forward, and I do think that they win one of the games in. Portland as well, whether it's game three or four, to reclaim back home court advantage just like they did against the Spurs. So we'll see what happens with that. It was just, again, a very, very weird game. I mean, Jamal Murray, 6 of 18 from the field, but and only had one assist in this game because nobody could make shots. Uh, Gary Harris, 4 of 12 from the field, missing free throws, 0 of 5 from from 3. Malik Beasley was the only guy other than Jamal Murray to hit multiple three-pointers in this game, but Denver only hit 6. They got 4 of them from Malik and Jamal. It just wasn't one of those games that you will ever want to go back and rewatch because it just it was just bricked jumper after bricked jumper after bricked jumper. It was a very very bizarre night. Um, want to give another quick shout out to Terrapin Care Station. They're doing a bunch of deals on their cone joints right now. They always have ounce deals. So go by Terrapin Care Station. Give them a shout from Mile High Sports. They are the ones who keep this podcast going. So definitely give them some love and go out to Terrapin Care Station in the Denver metro area for any of your cannabis needs. Sorry that I didn't put that out there, but I do want to end this podcast by talking about some news that has come up. Um, everybody in the Nuggets front office and coaching staff is apparently uh, being pursued by different teams around the league. That is a slight exaggeration, but I kind of wanted to point out this as a theme because it is going to continue happening. So let's just set the table real quick and go backwards in chronological order. So just today, Zach Lowe of ESPN reported that 
the Cleveland Cavaliers have requested permission to interview Nuggets assistant coach Jordy Fernandez for their open head coaching vacancy. Jordy Fernandez coached in uh, Cleveland as a player development coach from 2009 to 2013 before taking over as an assistant coach for the Canton Charge G League team of the Cavaliers for just one season. He was then promoted to be the head coach of the G League for two years before Michael Malone then hired him away to bring him to Denver. I have written about this. It is up on Mile High Sports already. Um, so, just, so that was a little bit weird and too much to take in on first listen because it's a hard thing to outline. Go back and just read what I already posted on Mile High Sports. Um, Jordy Fernandez has been an assistant coach moving up the ranks of, of Michael Malone's staff. He has a master's degree in sports psychology, which is very interesting. It makes him very good at communicating. Um, in addition to that, he has been... He has a very good balance of he knows how to work with players. He has head coaching experience in, in the in 2018 Summer League with the Nuggets, as well as two years in the G League with the Canton Charge. He knows how to get the best out of his players. He also knows how to like just be a player development guy and get in the gym with guys and build those relationships up as well. And with a sports psychology degree, he knows what buttons to push and when. He has been a fast riser in the Nuggets organization, and considering his connections to Cleveland, this is not a surprising development. But in addition to him, the Cleveland Cavaliers have already been granted permission to interview Wes Unsell Jr., the Nuggets' lead assistant coach and essentially their defensive coordinator, which which was basically he was the big reason they went from near the bottom of the league to a top 10 defense in just one year. So this is not surprising again. Wes Unsell Jr. doesn't have nearly as many connections to Cleveland as Jordy does, but He's a distinguished assistant coach who has been around the league for quite some time now. There is also an article up on Wes Unsell Jr. as well on Mile High Sports for more information about his path. Um, in addition to that, though, it just makes sense that other teams are going to look at what Denver has built in just four years. Yes, they've missed the playoffs for six years, but a year and a half of that was Brian Shaw and then six months of Melvin Hunt as the interim before they really started this rebuild four years ago. So four years, the Nuggets went from the bottom of the barrel, nearly a joke of a franchise around the league, actually a joke of a franchise around the league, to now what is arguably the most successful rebuild that we have seen in NBA history. There are very, very few rebuilds, legitimate rebuilds, complete top to bottom teardown that have been this quick and this efficient and this productive from a team so it makes complete sense that all of a sudden these coaches who have developed these players into high caliber productive players for the second seeded nuggets that are still the second youngest team in the nba that alone is going to make other rebuilding teams interested in trying to hire away coaches and front office members from the nuggets organization i mean why not take a flyer on guys like that because because they have already proven that they can do it. They have already proven that they have the ability to help take a franchise from their lowest point to their highest point in some different capacities. So, of course, Wes Unseld and Jordy Fernandez are getting some love. I would not be surprised if Charles Klask, a Nuggets assistant coach that was hired this past year, starts getting some recognition. I would not be surprised if David Adelman, who has been a very important piece of the offense, he has picked up for Chris Finch and has done an admirable job as, the, as one of the Nuggets' lead assistant coaches as well. So prepare for all of those names to be mentioned for open head coaching vacancies as they continue to come and go. In addition to that, though, the Nuggets front office is also going to be look uh, probably tried to get poached by other uh, teams. 
the Nuggets drafted Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Yusef Nurkic, who is now traded away. Um, all of these just incredible guys getting Will Barton in a trade uh, that also netted them the first round pick to, to draft Malik Beasley. So many shrewd decisions have been made in this Nuggets franchise, which means now that assistant general manager Calvin Booth has been approached by the Minnesota Timberwolves before they ended up hiring somebody else to potentially be their general manager. In addition to that, the Washington Wizards have made it clear that they are very interested in bringing Tim Connolly back to the East Coast to try and hire Tim Connolly away to, to go run their basketball operations department. In addition to that, Arturis Karnasovis was in the running not just for the Brooklyn Nets job two years ago, but for the Milwaukee Bucks job uh, just last offseason when the Nuggets ended up elevating um, Tim Connolly to president of basketball operations and promoted Arturis Karnasovis to be the GM. You're going to see more and more and more and more of those types of uh, situations being presented to the Nuggets. And I would not be surprised if guys like Tommy Balchettis start getting brought up as pieces of the Nuggets front office that may not be an assistant GM, but are extremely helpful pieces behind the scenes that you may not see on an analytics level or whatever it may could be. So to prepare for this. This is a good thing. This is not Michael Malone keeps losing his assistants because he's not a good person or not good to his assistants. This is not as of right now. The Nuggets are lowballing their assistants, so they're going to other places. What this is, is the fact that the Nuggets are cultivating a culture, and there's so much growth happening for players, coaches, and front office personnel here that other teams want to build what Denver is building. They want to emulate how the Nuggets have done it, so they're trying to get the people who did it in Denver to come do it for their franchises. That's why you see teams like Minnesota who are kind of without direction currently. You have teams like... Um like Cleveland, who are completely with that, without direction right now, reaching out to these guys. These are rebuilding franchises that are trying to take the next step and actually build something that can last, something with a strong foundation with it, and that is what the Nuggets have built, and that is why those guys are being targeted. So I would expect more and more of that to continue happening as the season goes along and the offseason comes, and then you get into next year. Because for the next few years, the Nuggets are going to be the kind of shining bright light of what an organization can do with just four years, if you draft well, treat your players right, and bring the right guys into that lo- into that locker room, whether it's coaches or players. So that's my rant. I wanted to get that off my chest. And also, there was one, actually, sorry, one last thing I wanted to bring up. Some people have brought up the idea of why would the Nuggets allow these teams to interview their coaches or their front office personnel or whatever it is. It's almost, it actually, it is more poisonous to reject those than it is to grant them because not only do you kill a relationship off with an assistant coach or a potential uh, general manager candidate down the line um, by, you know, restricting them and holding them back from growing into bigger and higher paying roles, that is going to poison your relationship with the team. And in addition to that, it's going to hurt the team's relationship with different agents, whether it's players or coaches or relationships they have with each other this is a network of strings that all need to be pulled perfectly and if you just start tearing these strings apart you start to lose the structure that builds a strong NBA front office and a culture of a franchise that is able to be sustained and built upon you can't just start cutting those seams and if you do that 
Like let's just say the Nuggets decided that they weren't going to grant permission for Jordy Fernandez to interview for the head coaching position with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I do not expect this to happen, but let's live in the hypothetical world. Jordy Fernandez is then extremely frustrated with ownership and the front office because he feels like he has fought for this. He has been a G League head coach. He has been an assistant, a player development guy. He has a master's in sports psychology. He coached the G League team last year. He helped the Nuggets get to 54 wins in a second seed. He has earned the right to take the next step in his own career. Career. So for him, when everything has lined up for this opportunity to, to present itself, for the Nuggets to hold him back from that, that looks very, very negatively on the Nuggets, very negatively, to the point to where coaches won't want to come to Denver with fear of that potentially being an outcome for them. Same thing goes with front office personnel. Like, you can't say that Calvin Booth, who has been the X Factor and the secret weapon of the Nuggets front office, does not deserve a chance to run an NBA team. He has been that good to where... The Nuggets have cultivated that growth. They can't now hold him back from actually growing into it. That is counterproductive, and it kills the reputability that the Nuggets have fought so hard to build. And in addition to that, when you start hurting the agent relationships of the guys who could go get more money, which then hurts the pockets of the agents, that is then going to hurt your relationship with the agent's friends that are also agents. You start getting that bad rep in the world of agents as well, which makes it even harder to negotiate down the line. There are so many ripple effects that come from rejecting someone or restricting them from allowing to grow as a front office or coaching uh, personnel in the team. They need to be able to allow those guys to grow to keep this strong reputation that they have built because that is the biggest reason one of the biggest reasons they are where they are is that they have kept that continuity that loyalty and that respect within their organization so that's my rant uh thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast i know it's kind of a quick one i've been buried in all kinds of wild work today so thank you guys very much for sticking around make sure to go subscribe to this podcast on all major podcast platforms all over the all over google podcast itunes spotify iHeartRadio, um stitcher player fm Castbox. there's so many of them out there but we are the denver nuggets daily podcast is now on all of them so go subscribe leave a comment leave a five-star review reach out if you have any questions or concerns i'm at tj mcbride mba on twitter my email is in my bio my dms are open so anything you guys need reach out to me but this was the denver nuggets daily podcast powered by mile high sports sponsored by terrapin care station with a whole lot of love from the regulators uh, production group where you can find at regulators regime on instagram from all of us we will talk to you guys shortly and have a great rest of your day